Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins and everything in between. I'm Benedict and I'm feeling a little bit distracted today. And I'm Benedicta. Today is March 21st. This is episode number 174. And I'm feeling pumped. Ooh, that's pumped. Yes, let's go. Pumped. Yes. <laughs> What's... Mm. I mean, it's hopefully not short lived because February we were sick. Then I had my concussion. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I just think I got my normal. Or would I would consider my normal energy back, and I just feel like ready to like get things done, um, and also been more strict with like taking my phone out of the room and like doing some proper focus sessions. I went to a cabin with a friend. She was like, "Oh, do you want to come up?" And I was like, "I need to work. It's not that often I work weekends anymore, but like I was behind and just like needed to get some stuff done." And she was like, "It's fine. I need to do some like maintenance on the cabin and stuff." So I got to sit in like beautiful surroundings and get a little bit ahead again and yeah and then yeah and then prune your follows past a thousand users nice so i was like you know yeah yeah and then i was mentioned on that podcast that you sent me where they're like we're so impressed <laughs> and i was like All right. <laughs> so that felt good yeah, yeah that sounds that sounds really nice I also enjoyed mm -hmm. um, the first episode of Data in the Wild uh, last week. Um, did you record a second one already? I don't. I don't. Yeah, we recorded one actually yesterday lunch hour European ah, time because it was with Pierre from Scraping Bee. I missed that, that unfortunately, have, but yeah. I should check out the recording. I guess. Yes, you should. And I feel like that you know went even better. It's always like with the first one. Like even if I've done this so many times, I was like nervous. Like, oh my God. <laughs> um, just because it's like different intro, different setup, different everything. So um, but I feel like and Pierre is always nice uh to have on. He's a good he's a good guest. And Monica is also a good guest. It's nice to have like friends on. Um true. And that I just got this Google photo memory of photos from Athens. I think it was yesterday. So it's just it's been one year since I went to that Athens trip that you never, that you didn't end up going. Um, and that's where I met Pierre. Yeah. And I've already interviewed him like three times. <laughs> nice. Yeah, right. He was on, on Slow and Steady once. He was on the Data Show and he was on your live streams, mm -hmm. right? So uh, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know, now... It feels so much longer than one year ago where I like went to Athens, then I make the microconf. It was, and then I also went to London to visit my dad, I think, because I got some photos from that. And it feels, I don't know, like, a, I mean, people are still worried about COVID. Like, it feels so long ago. And it's, and then when I got that memory, it's just, oh, it's only been a year. That was last spring. Um, <laughs> uh, so. uh, Krista of our uh, useless team blew my mind this week by mentioning that. 2023 is already a quarter over. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? We we just started. How can it be already one quarter done? I mean, almost. Not not quite, but almost. I feel like that's been a theme for the show since since the years. Because you were like, it's been week three already, and now we're like, oh, it's been month three already <laughs> yeah it's like time flies it's i mean 
yeah, it's like a cliche these days, but uh, uh, it's it's just true. I'm 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 blown away how time, how things just move forward, and you're like they're trying to get work done, and yeah, time flies. But there's like some kind of cliche saying where it's like the days are long, but the years are short, or something. But then again, like I feel like Athens was a million years ago. So I don't know. Time is weird. Like it can be all mm -hmm. of the things at the same time. True, true. Yeah. But yeah. But also I just feel like being a part of the community, like we brought uh James and now I just realized I've never said his last name. Mac McKinvin. Mac do you know how he says his last name? I don't know. I probably I don't should know, know from his well anyway, that it's James from Indie Bytes and he has a podcast editing a uh, company called uh, Pod Panda, and we brought him on to edit the Data in the Wild uh, episodes, mm -hmm. and that was a really good choice because then, like, he can get it over the finish lines, which is always nice when you have a little too much going on, which I never do. Um, <laughs> and that just made me dream of like having a little, like, a small content team, like somebody that could like edit video and audio and and text. And then also somebody who could like help remix and reuse all the content. Cause by now, like there's so, I have so much con like raw content. Mm -hmm. And I think that it could be um, used and then like, it could, I think it could benefit from being reused. Cause especially the streams, like, you know, it's like maybe like every fourth is a good one and like being able to take snippets from that. And even from the ones that aren't like super good, they're always like little nuggets that are good. And like having somebody um, help on that would be, I think would be really, really cool. And then also if you have like, I'm dreaming of this scenario where there's like so much reuse that like doing a stream once a month would be enough, right? Because there would be enough content coming out anyway so that i can like rest on my laurels is, is that what it's i think it called? is yeah 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 no that would be yeah or i could do it myself but like it would be great to like have a little bit of a team to be able to do that but so sometime in 2023 maybe i'll have like a tiny team to help me out because then i could sell more for sure yeah i mean that's basically what uh, Krista like and uh, Katarina are doing at Uselist. Um, Krista is doing a lot of editing and um, even some content writing, but uh, they are editing this podcast. And um, Katarina is mostly doing like promotion and like remixing content and repurposing the content and just spreading spreading the word about the content because like. Yeah, just, the newsletters are really good where she's like, it's a new intro, but then she's resurfacing kind of what probably you would have thought be like, oh, that's old content. But like, you know, not everybody read it when it came out. Right, exactly. And um, yeah, that's, I think it's just so so useful. And she's taking care of uh, posting it to social media and um, just like promoting the content because... It's so easy to forget. I mean, similar to building products, right? You, building products is only half or maybe even less, maybe a third of the, the thing. I don't know, a tenth by now. <laughs> oh, a tenth, yeah. But you, still, you need to do the marketing and the promotion and like get, it, get, uh, get people's eyes on it. And it's the same for the content. Um, just writing it and publishing it, sure, I mean, Google will pick it up eventually. But mm -hmm. it only gets super effective when you 
start sharing it and people link to it and people read it and share it and and, and all of that and I'm super grateful that uh, we have both of them on the team to to help us with that because for the longest time we really sucked at at the the, the remixing and the, the editing and the the promotion part of it. I think it's something that you prob probably could learn, but also in a way it helps that there's new eyes on the content because you maybe made something with a specific use case in mind or like thinking about something in specific. But then when somebody else kind of reads that blog post, maybe they have a different or watches the stream or whatever content is like, maybe they have a different connection and then they can put it in a new context that then makes somebody who didn't read it with, you know, the first time around when it was introduced in a different way is then interested in it yeah. or just like things are happening in the industry or in the world and you're like oh like we have something um that can can like can well no i don't have the words yeah. <laughs> we have a piece of content some <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah something that it's re still relevant but it's sometimes hard when you've made it yourself to like see all of those possibilities as well like even if i took the time i could have done some of it and you could probably have done some of it but then having somebody you know, come in with, you know, a fresh, fresh eyes on it is, is helpful. And also, especially from the streams, like I find it hard to, you know, what snippets are fun. Like I find I'm not the audience. So. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah. But I also, I mean, also don't underestimate just like having the, not, not having to spend the time. Right. I mean, sure. We, Mm -hmm. In theory, we can all do all things ourselves or learn how to do everything ourselves. But um, a, a day is only so long, uh, a week is only so long, and as we just noticed, a year is only so long. Um, <laughs> you could like, you could very well be doing different stuff or like producing more content or selling stuff mm -hmm. or working on a new feature for your product or whatever. And um, mm -hmm. this took me a while to to learn or to just internalize that yes, I'm an indie founder or we are an indie team or whatever or a small business. Yes, we are very hands-on, but that doesn't mean we have to do everything ourselves. Mm. Um, and that's that's a learned thing. Like for the longest time, I figured editing this podcast was good use of my time. But now that mm -hmm. I don't have to do it anymore, I it's not that I miss it and I can do other stuff. <laughs> and um <laughs> Same for and suddenly customer there support are these and so on. Right? Cool audiograms out there that you didn't even you didn't. Yeah, like I didn't have didn't to do myself. It. It just and, uh, someone yeah. took care of it, and uh, it was someone's job and focus and like main or like primary thing to do this stuff. Uh, where mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff, like for us, especially for me as I uh, as a developer working on a product, it's just like second order priorities maybe even third or fourth or fifth. Mm. So that's the stuff that easily gets uh, thrown under the bus eventually, right? And when, when things get mm -hmm. hectic. So um, there's something to be said about delegating these yeah. tasks um, and not but what I also, to do themselves. But what I also like now is that there's so many tools where the person doesn't really have to be like a professional professional 
Like right. You can edit video now. You can even edit video in Canva. I tested it out and it's <laughs> super good, right? Um, and and you can edit things in Descript. Um, podcasts are really, you know, well, it's a well-suited for Descript. Um, and I think having the people helping out using those tools so that you can step in, if they're, you know, if they're contracting, then you are not, like, there can be a time where they can't do the job or, like, they don't want to work with you anymore or, you know, things happen. And having having it be done in the tools where I could step in and like do it when needed, I think is something that I want to try to make happen because then then I will feel more uh, relaxed about like using different people or testing out um, testing out new people um, because I know that okay in a pinch I can go in and use it, but if suddenly they want to like edit and like. I don't know, some like super fancy like video editing software or something that cost me like 600 bucks just to download and another, <laughs> you know, six weeks to learn, uh, then I'd feel more hesitant. Um, and I think now there are people like coming up that want to do these kinds of jobs that where it's more about kind of getting it done and getting it good enough, but it's not going to be like the most professional video in the history of YouTube videos, right? <laughs> it's true, it's, it's true. the content. And it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, right? I mean... Yeah. And even, like, I, I wouldn't even worry too much about the tools um, because in the end, it doesn't matter what tools they use. If they want to use, mm, like, that super true. fancy video editing tool to do the job, sure, why not? As long as you, on your own, have a way to, like, step in and do it, like... A, a bare bones version or whatever. Um, mm. yeah, I know for true. a fact that um, Dan, who did uh, editing for this podcast uh, before mm. uh, Krista took over, I think he was editing the podcast in Final Cut Pro, which is like a mm. fancy video editing mm -hmm. uh, software, which is probably not necessarily the right tool for the job, but he was familiar with it. It, it did the job yep. for him. Um, and when he quit, um, I think Krista's now using Audacity or something like that. So I don't know. It, so you don't even know. That's don't the beauty know. of it. And okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about my stance on that. And if I, and I, if I have to step in um, and they take a week off or so, I'm doing it in GarageBand. Uh, so <laughs> two different tools getting the same <laughs> job done. I, and yes, maybe. I think it's a little. A little bit different with video, though, because you kind of want to be able to export, like, and then suddenly you maybe want, like, a Google Shorts version of, like, five seconds in there. And and then you might have to move some things around. Like, you, you want to be able to kind of go in and do some little changes. Um, but again, does the tool but, matter that much? Yeah. As long as you have yeah. a tool to get the job done, I think everything else <laughs> yes. is kind of... That's true. That's true. I'm going to think about this. Yeah. But it's not going to be right now, but maybe by the <laughs> end of 2020. We'll see what the future holds. If there's going to be a lot more content production, I'm going to need some help. So if that is you, dear listener, you know, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. I feel like this is an underappreciated skill. I don't know. Thing mm -hmm. to think about for content producers in general. I feel like a lot of people get on the content treadmill and then um, keep running and running and running and don't realize that they are burning themselves out and eventually just <laughs> stumble and fall off the thing. 
Um, yeah. And, and, and that's why I've been so to, hesitant about sell. And then struggle to build a team. Yeah, and that's why I've been so hesitant about selling content because if, mm. if you know, if you end up with kind of the the regular content, that then also the prices are going down. But still, with like technical content, like they all, they pay a premium price for knowing that it's correct, and like so, it's it's worth it. And then you you can get help, you know. But if you are delivering articles for, um, or like videos, kind of like. The, the mass or I don't know where you don't have to be a subject matter expert to kind of make them. Um, there is a competition now and there, and the prices, you know, are going down because a lot more people are able to do it now with the new tools. Um, and then I think, yeah, it's easy to just like make and make and like, you have to make a lot to make the money. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how um how long I'll be doing this. <laughs> we'll see how the price price I see how the how the the price prices evolves. Cool. Anything else you've been working on in the past week? Or thinking about uh, or considering? Yeah, so um for prune your follows and also slash content that i have sold i am uh exploring semantic search so using open ai's embeddings and mm. vector search which i don't understand but i've made it work nice <laughs> so, but I, you know it feels like now we're at the time where the tools are there where you don't really have to understand everything. It's like using any API, right? You have to do some things to please the API <laughs> and you get results back. Um, but it's been it's been fun because I've been, um, so I took all of the people, I've just been demoing it because you, you kind of have to pay. So I don't want to run all the accounts of Pruner Follows through OpenAI right now because uh, I only have like, a, I'm only allowed to do like 20 a minute or something, 20 a minute. So what you do is that every account you create a embedding which is this like weird just numbers. And I think it represents the account or like you make a string of the information in, about a Twitter account. And then that string is kind of then gets this embedding. And I think it kind of represents then that string like in like the knowledge that OpenAI has, like some kind of like knowledge. It's like, I don't understand. It's like a bunch of numbers anyway. And then you take your search query and you create an embedding out of that as well. And then you do a vector search to see like how far they are from each other. So I'm guessing like all of these numbers is saying that, you know, this embedding is part of like a lot of different places in this like knowledge graph or whatever. And then it looks at your, um, your query then is that's also embedded and then tries to find out which one matches most or closest to all of these other numbers or something like that. But all I do is <laughs> create embedding vector search. <laughs> and I've been testing it out. And it's kind of fun because then you can do things like Norwegians. And it will actually show me accounts that don't have the word Norway or like it might just say it in Norwegian because that's been fun. Like having a second language, it's extra fun. Because mm -hmm. then I say Norwegians and I can see that it matches people that have location set to Norge, which is Norway in Norwegian. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing for Germans 
And it would like, you know, it would hit uh, people who had then even just Hamburg. They didn't even have like Germany in their location. Mm. And it kind of knows that, okay, Hamburg is close to Germany in all of this knowledge graph thingy that the AI uses. Yeah. Um, and then on Thursday, we're going to try to take it a step further and then do more like this account. And then I can create a string in the same way as I've done when I've created embeddings for every account. I mean, I've already have the embeddings for every account. So then you can do more like this account and then we'll use the embedding for one account and then try to do this vector search towards all the other accounts and then see what comes up if it actually feels like it's similar. Because that's the bad thing about this. Because you look at the results and you're like, but I have no idea like why it's matching. Because when you do fussy search, you can like mark out the word that it matched, even though it's not completely the word. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's when I'm like using the UI, I would have loved semantic search to have something similar where you could say like, oh, I, you know, we're matching this part of the string in a way. But um, I don't think that's... That's not how like, AI, AI works, right? <laughs> no, it's a magic box, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, but it's super interesting. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. I, I mean, the, the, the thing I'm struggling with with all of this stuff usually is like, yes, vector search, awesome. Um, and it's also, I mean, that's something I learned at university. Like, it's not super complicated. But how to get the vector is like the thing that blows my mind. Like I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't understand. Like this em embedding things, just like it's just a bunch of numbers. It just right. Looks, what does it even represent? Do you know what it represents? <sighs> the embedding. I don't know. No. no, I don't know. No. And I felt good because I was reading because I didn't really understand. Like I was looking at different things, but then I remember that um, Swizek that I know from Twitter had written like, oh, semantic search in an afternoon. He'd written a little blog post exploration on semantic search. And he was like, I don't really understand what an embedding is, but it seems to be working. And I was like, good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so. Right. I mean, in the end, I feel like, and I might be wrong about this, but thinking about it now is Postgres full text search features also working in a similar way, I guess. I think in the end, it's also doing like a vector search um, mm -hmm. or like vector comparison because it's also computing a text search vector or something like that. So it's somehow taking mm. taking the input and like mapping it to numbers, I guess, that then get represented mm -hmm. in the multidimensional vector space yeah. thingy. I don't know. Um, but I guess that the benefit of using then OpenAI is that then it then you get that knowledge that Norwegians is connected right. to Norge, which you wouldn't have if you just had your own data, because then you would have to do those mappings yourself and kind of yeah. feed that into the into the the machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we'll see how it comes out. Because then I'm thinking, okay, when you've unfollowed like a lot of people, then we could do a you know more like the people you've already unfollowed feature <laughs> or now that you've unfollowed a lot of people why don't you follow these people <laughs> <laughs> there's possibilities but what have you been working on we've been heavily talking about me being so uh yeah that, that's 
in the end, it's not that much. At least it doesn't sound like much. Um, I mentioned last week that I was super tired and things were slow for like Monday and Tuesday. Luckily, that didn't extend through the rest of the week. So the rest of the week was actually pretty productive. And I got back into building the backend for the reporting feature. And I tried to tackle tracking totals over time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's way more complicated than just tracking deltas over time. Uh, like in the end, we want to know like how many messages you send at a given ta- uh, given point in time, um, mm-hmm. and how many messages in total. Um, but for that, like we we first start to track like the days we are sending a message or the moments we're sending a message and then just summing those up. So we get like a list of days and we have one message on day one, one message on day three, two messages on day five, something like that. So in total, is that five messages? Um, Mm -hmm. So that part is kind of easy, but um, if we, if we only rely on the deltas, like how many, how many messages were sent on a specific day, that has two implications. One, we have to stay, like, keep all the data forever, because if mm. we if we start deleting data, then suddenly the total at the end will go down. Mm. And for let's say a, a campaign that's running for five years, to get the total, we'd have to look at data for the entire five years. So this becomes a little bit of a problem. Um, So I was trying to figure out, can we just like keep the total count over time and just store it in the database as well? Mm. And um, that also sounds simple because then you just like sum it up and increase it by one when you send, send a message and stuff like that. But it gets trickier when you realize that the way we're processing data and the way stuff happens in our system isn't strictly linear. So we might be like, I mean, this is like worst case scenario, but let's let's imagine our background processing queue goes down for a day. And we're not processing, like because we're processing it in parallel, we're not guaranteeing order because like each job might pick like, the last job and then take a little longer and then one is faster than the other, whatever. Um, long story short we can't guarantee processing order so that means that in an extreme case we could process a a message sent today that would increment the counter by one and then we'd um, process a message that was sent yesterday that also increments the counter by one but in the naive implementation it increases it for yesterday but we already have a value for Mm -hmm. today so a change yesterday doesn't only affect the number yesterday it also affects the number of today and so on so that means instead of just updating one row we have to update a lot more based on the old numbers so you see where i'm getting at like uh, yeah but is this where you need another type of data store um the the ones that you know these these more like analytic software are using aren't they using like isn't there like other data because you're yeah, using a postgres database yeah right? yeah yeah sure we, we could we could use a like i think the thing you're talking about is like a column based store i guess 
I'm not entirely sure that would solve the thing. I mean, they are a little bit more efficient in like querying a lot of data over time instead of doing those roll-ups, what we do. Because mm-hmm. um, Pierre was talking about time series because they were also wanting to do better, um, num- like better analytics, save more analytics, and then yeah. be able to do summarations and, and things like that. And then he was like, yeah, a data store that is better for time series ana- analytics, which I've heard about before, but somebody, because I need that for POW at some point. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> it's still alive. Um, but, uh, and I'm like, is, and there's like this um, elk or cabana or something. Like I, I've been when I was working for another company. Like there were these kind of databases that were specialized on just saving a lot of kind of event data or like a yeah. lot of, and then some, and then it's it's faster to summarize. I need to learn more about this. <laughs> yeah, since that- I. There are, like, for example, there's TimescaleDB, which is kind of that on top of Postgres. Mm. And um, to be fair, like, some of the stuff I'm building these days is basically doing what Timescale is doing mm. as well. Um, but we made a deliberate choice to not add more database technologies to our stack at mm. this point in time. Um, so... Yeah, we're sticking with Postgres. And the good news is okay. I got a proof of concept working that just does this, like uh, updating many things at once. And it mm-hmm. seems to be working. Um, and I was super happy and thought it was done, but then more things I didn't consider. Um, turns out it's a little bit more complicated than I imagined, but it's not impossible to solve and it will still be, it will still be fast. And I... I think it will scale really well once we get it done. It's just that problem of learning about all the things that <laughs> might be a problem and then working around them. Uh, but um, hopefully I've discovered everything by now. So now it's more a matter of actually implementing some clean code to do this instead of the mess that I made to get where I'm right now. <laughs> know the feeling yeah i should maybe not have interrupted you there before you were at your final point but i just find this fascinating now that i talk like with data in the wild like everybody you know are experiencing issues when you get enough data like it's it's so different having just a little bit of data and then like medium data and then like a lot of data but it seems like a you know problems already surface when you have like a medium you know and monica was referencing that she had to pay like $300. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the number to, because she was deleting some data that she wasn't really, you know, conscious. She was like, oh, we can delete that. We don't need it anymore. And suddenly it was like, you know, you get a cloud <laughs> bill for like, dele- you know, because you're deleting so much data. Um, and I'm, you know, just working on like a little side project. You're like deleting and updating it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, even with a thousand users, you're like, ah. but, but when you start getting into it and you just want oh i just want to summarize a little and you're like yeah no <laughs> yeah and i think what's also <laughs> counterintuitive there is like in, in university and when you when you learn like database design um they keep telling you like you have to use normal form and like keep data separate and like this belongs there and that belongs over there and don't mix them in each other and like don't cache stuff and that that's all good advice but at some point, it doesn't work that way anymore, and you have to <laughs> specifically break those 
those those good habits that you've been trained to use just to I keep things so performant and like just form. keep yeah, yeah but i mean the thing i'm building right now is basically the opposite of that and to keep things fast we have to do it that way because then the, the normal form version just doesn't scale <laughs> so um yeah that's uh that's an interesting learning from the last couple of weeks that the things that you consider the proper way to do it isn't necessarily the fast way to do it <laughs> i feel like that's that's not only with databases it's also kind of with code where you know we had very for a long time the thing was very like strict rules around how you wanted to separate you know your front-end code and your back-end code and like those par paradigms are also changing now where suddenly you have your back-end code and your front-end code in the same file sometimes mm -hmm. and yes it depends you know it's separation of concerns but then you're like what concern is the feature the concern or is you know the layer the concern or um and we don't have to you know decide on which one is best right now <laughs> <laughs> but it feel you know it feels like a, you know, some of these things that yeah we learn especially in university even outside of databases doesn't really hack it when you're actually out there and doing production code yeah and i think and sometimes this this thing where software development is all about trade-offs really comes into mm. play like where you suddenly have to choose between the design pattern that you're used to or like the proper way to doing it to keeping it fast or making it scale or getting it done now inst instead of in a week from now and stuff like that so yeah it's a lot about trade-offs that's and also yeah. taking into consideration that multiple people are working on it, depending on, you know, you started out with only you and and now you're True. two developers, I guess. But suddenly when you're 30 developers, there are some patterns that are, are kind of sound, like this is the way you should be doing it. But when you have more people, you also need them to be able to, you know, do their work and and, and get going and if that means like everybody having to like, you know, go to the same point of source of truth all the time, you know, we're just going to be stepping on each other's toes all the time. And then maybe it's better if they, you know, if as with a database that you have that truth to places or like not a truth, but yeah. um, so it's not always about the technical choices either. It's about the organization in addition to right. technically technically correct like textbook correct <laughs> textbook correct yeah but again textbook on the flip correct. side i mean the, the stuff we learn in textbooks and like proper way of doing it and separation of concerns get more important when you're working with a team right because suddenly oh yeah if there's just one place where the truth is stored that's easy to know right then everyone agrees that this is the place we check but once you start spreading it out for whatever reason into like multiple mm -hmm. buckets or I don't know, then suddenly it's not that obvious anymore. And I think it's easier to like to confuse people on the team and like mm -hmm. make it harder to collaborate because it's not clear what the right way of doing things is anymore. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's an argument, like, again, trade-offs. <laughs> trade-offs. But then also just people, like they're, you yeah. know, People are also part of the thing. <laughs> it's not <laughs> true. Yeah, it's not like one person with the tech like creating a perfect something. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, making all the decisions, and then yeah, 
then people come into consideration and people right. are hard. Then uh, the, the the thing with um, building projects in isolation and then the project getting the first user and suddenly half of your assumptions are no longer true. <laughs> <laughs> Like the product can a product can only be perfect if no one's using it, I guess. <laughs> But is it then the product? Uh, then it probably isn't a product. Yeah, true. You know, then it is content. I would say. Because you could make a video about how to do it, but then it's not a product until somebody is actually using it. Maybe, but then you record a second video and realize that what you did in the first video was actually the wrong thing for the thing you want to do in the second video. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, anyway, anyway, let's let's wrap it up. Yes, because now I'm getting into rambling mode, right? <laughs> I can like ramble for another hour if we keep this up. <laughs> Well, it was a fun conversation. And I just want to shout out to Turil, who's in our chat of the live recording. It's a friend of mine oh, um, nice. from Norway. Cool. Yeah. We finally have someone actually watching the live recording as we record. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. She's she's actually the person that organizes the... Um, I plan my week every Monday with this group of people. Mm. I think I've mentioned it. And she's the one that organizes our um, planning session and then our retrospective i guess on friday and then also some focus sessions during the week so we all get our shit done thanks very cool yep. um then i was just gonna say see you around the interwebs yes see you around the interwebs